You're now listening to the Limerick Post News Roundup. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt, and this is where we bring you the week's news in bite-sized portions. I'm now joined in studio by Head of News, Jerry Collison. Jerry, how are you this week? I'm pretty good, Ken. That's good to hear. And uh, there's some people who aren't pretty good in Limerick after the weekend. There's a story by David Raleigh on the front page of flooding in Kuna. Yeah, um, this is one that's sort of got a lot of traction even nationally couple of reasons that makes it unique the first one is that straight away we have the cause and the cause has been um, admitted to by the office of public works it was just human error they um, basically just made a mess of things when they tried to when they tried to sort out sluice gates and drainage and things like that net result was over 60 acres of farmland, uh, Napiercig GA Club, Coon Airfield, and more importantly, a number of homes in the Coon area uh, were badly affected by the flooding. People had to be evacuated from their, from their houses. Um, and uh, David Raleigh went out, he interviewed some of the people there, and some of their stories, you know, the, 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 it more or less encapsulates what happens to people like that you know you and i are there we yeah. sort of look at these stories of, of of flooding and you know we can be fairly blasé about it because really our houses aren't under four or five feet of water but in this case well, that's you know, one thing that stands out is the amount of flooding like it says the homeowners were evacuated by boat yeah yeah. Now, that wouldn't mean that if they had waders or something like that, it does sort of, you know, add a little bit to the drama. And in some cases, yes, we saw it in Kings Island there a few years ago where older people, you know, that was yeah. the only way you could get them out. In this case, I'd say that, you know, it was more or less a, a, a case of convenience. But that doesn't take away from the amount of distress and the amount of upset that's been caused to people. Um, you know, there's, there was one particular case where a woman had just finished um, rebuilding her house effectively, um, you know, from from a similar incident a couple of years ago. And uh, now she finds not alone is she uh, staying in a hotel but also um, she has to go back and do the same thing all over again. So one of the questions I suppose that was arising out of it was now that the OPW has more or less admitted responsibility for what had happened, are they going to compensate the people? Will their compensation be adequate? And, um, you know, uh, is there going to be movement fairly quickly on it that we can get, get these people out of the hotel accommodation? Because, you know, most of us look forward to staying in a hotel when we're on our holidays. For a but couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, you're going out, you're seeing places, exactly, you're doing things, yeah. and it's a bit of a treat. But I can tell you, it's no treat for those people out in Kuna. And I would say the quicker they're able to get out of there and back into their own homes, the better. And then we have the GA club and the farmland. Like that's people's livelihoods there, really. Absolutely. And, you know, particularly in terms of Napiersig, who'd probably be one of the most successful clubs in Ireland. Um you know, they, they, they have invested up to a million euro in their in their pitches. And that's so that's all, you know, gone gone for a song. So, um, yeah, watch this space. Let's see what happens. And then uh, we have another story from David Raleigh, which includes some graphic images in the paper this week. It's a, an animal welfare group appealing for help with scalded cats. This is one of these ones where people can look at these things two ways and they can say, well, you know what, it's an animal. Wouldn't it be far worse if it was a human? Other people look at it and they say, well, you know what, if somebody's capable of doing this to 
poor old animal. What are they capable of doing in their interaction with other human beings? I'd be more or less in the middle ground. I would say somebody who does that sort of thing. What is what are they thinking of? Yeah. You know, here you had a situation. Um, a woman uh, was used to these stray cats coming in, um, you know, taking food off her own cats and everything like that. No big problem there at all. But the next thing was she noticed these poor old cats had been shown up and they had terrible injuries in terrible pain. And um, what had happened was uh, she contacted the Deal Animal Action Group in Newcastle West. They managed to to capture one of the cats and they took the cat to the vet and the vet was able to tell them that this was a deliberate act, that somebody had actually gone along, boiled a kettle and actually scalded them with boiling water. And now you can see some of the injuries. They are, you know, fairly horrific. Um, But the bottom line is that Somebody was there and put these poor animals into such awful pain, you know, and and got pleasure out of this. You know, it's that's that's the thing I think that'll that'll confound most people. You know, and, and there's a lot of uh, animal welfare groups in Limerick who who would help people take care of cats. You know, the, the feral cats. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, I think the people who need care at this stage are the are people, people who are, yeah, yeah, who are capable of doing something like this. I mean, for God's sake, you know, there's plenty of other things to be doing rather than torturing helpless animals. So you can find both those stories in the Limerick Post newspaper this week and online at limerickpost.ie, where there's also a link to the Deal Animal Action Group. Uh, so you can try to support the cats there. Um, there's another story in the paper this week, Jerry, from Alan Jakes. This time it's a problem gambling hits record levels. This is something that's um, in in the public eye a little bit now at the moment. I don't know if you're aware that there's um, a, a campaign going on at the moment with some degree of sex, of success to actually uh, restrict or prohibit uh, advertising for gambling, particularly online gambling during um, sports broadcasts. You know, some of them, you know, you have the Paddy Power, Boyle Sports, where you can actually get online and immediately uh, a gamble. And this has given, you know, quite an amount of public traction to this issue. But it was taken onto a, a, a local stage during the week when um, the Castle Connell Sinn Féin Senator Paul Gavin uh, got, got an answer to a parliamentary question from the HSE. And that showed that this year there were 257 people who had to get uh, treatment for problem gambling. Now, however, you know, that's the highest number since the records began in 2010. But as he says, and as most people would uh, acknowledge, that is only the tip of the iceberg because, you know, there's no um, compunction. There's no um, way that people would actually go along and report problem gambling. As, as, as Paul Gavin says, problem gambling in this state is, is, is as reporting of treatment is optional, that there isn't really a full picture of the true extent of it because it is the reporting is optional. So, um, you know, and he's seen that we're in the in the middle of a of a gambling crisis, and I'd say there's a, quite a few people would would share that view as well. So, so this wouldn't be monitored the same as drug addiction. Oh no! Oh no! No! So no! 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 He'd be calling for a more active approach to that, would he? Absolutely, and I mean it's 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 something now because of the spread of the online gambling. A few years ago, you would have had a situation where people would have regarded gambling. You go into the bookies, and you're there, and there's a mainly men 
around there and they just seem to be following the horses and they're well versed in it and you know even most people who would not be that familiar with it might feel a little bit inhibited going into a, going into a bookie shop you know what's across double and you know these people could be taking you know phds in mathematics they're so well up on the on on what's allowed what isn't allowed the various combinations of bets and things like that bit intimidating for the ordinary person the online gambling has made it an awful lot easier for people to go into bookies um, or not to go into bookies, just to, to be able to do it in a very, very simple and a very, very um, trouble free way. You know, you don't have to go into the bookies. You're, it's a lot you're more accessible. To, for absolutely. People, yeah. But equally, it, it, it's, it's uh, appealing to a much, much wider demographic. For instance, there's been a huge increase in the amount of women in particular who are gambling. And you can see how that would happen. You know, and it's not necessarily it needn't be confined just to sporting events. You know, it can be on who's going to win Love Island, who's going to win Dancing with the Stars. You know, it's all things like that. And, you know, that can have a certain attraction to people who are there on screen. And, you know, it's one of these things that I think people are going to have to become more aware of. Yep, and uh, that story is also in this week's Limerick Post newspaper and online at limerickpost.e. Jerry, thanks very much for joining us and have a lovely week. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. I'm now joined in studio by our journalist, Bernie English. Bernie, how are you this week? I'm very good, thank you, Keen. Beautiful day outside. It is lovely for now, anyway. Yes. <laughs> we'll take what we can get. <laughs> uh, looking to the Limerick Post newspaper this week, Bernie, there's a story about a new air ambulance service. There is indeed, Keen. Um, now, this is a charity air ambulance, the first of its kind. And although it's based in Cork, it's been, it's been in action now for a month. It had its official launch this week. And it's already um, come to the aid of 12 patients in need of urgent evacuation wow. to other centres of excellence in Limerick. So the fantastic thing about this is particularly if there's children involved, you know, um, if they need to go to, say, Cork to a burns unit or something yeah. like that, the air ambulance can be here and lift them in minutes. Whereas obviously an ordinary ambulance is going to is going to take a dreadful journey by road. It's going to take air, so going to take hours. So what can what would normally take hours can now be done in minutes, which is especially important for people in critical states who need urgent attention especially in centres of excellence. Especially in that uh, field, you know, it's it's all about time, really, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Head injuries, car accidents, things like that. Now they can be basically anywhere in the country in sort of under twenty minutes. Um, even if they have to be airlifted uh, up to the north, they can they can be brought there. Um, this is the first of its kind, and it's doing fantastic work. It's it's had about fifty callouts already, very very busy. So it just goes to show in one month that's more than one a day. Yeah. So it just goes to show there was a real need for this uh, for this kind of emergency facility. And you were saying this is a charity service. Yeah, the money it's it, it, the money the money was raised by charities to provide this ambulance the air ambulance. It's a helicopter essentially. Yeah. Um, and yeah, lest anyone out there think we have a flying ambulance or something. <laughs> <laughs> we should have mentioned that at the start. Um, but no, it's, it's fantastic. It's great. And it's going to make an awful lot. It's definitely going to save lives. There is no question about it. In fact, undoubtedly, it already has. Yeah. And seeing the success of it, maybe it can expand a bit further throughout the country. We'd well, never know. Yeah it's, yeah. it's it's to be hoped. It's to be hoped we will see more of them. But this one will serve this area. It'll serve Cork, Kerry, Limerick, um, Tipperary, the Midwest, basically. Brilliant. And can take very ill people to any hospital in the country in the blink of an eye. Excellent. And then uh, another story is sticking with health. Uh, Bernie, it's uh, a very touching subject for a lot of people. It's a 
support for early pregnancy loss? Yes, indeed, Keen. Um, the team at the maternity are, are led by um, s- staff nurses who specialise in grief and, mater- and loss support, uh, Marie Hunt and um, Rita O'Brien. Now, they are leading, leading a team of people who have a clinic uh, for, which counsels people. Uh, both men and women who've lost who've lost a, a baby in early pregnancy, and they're having an information uh, evening this week on what services are available. Sorry, forgive me. An information evening on Monday about what services are available um, to to people who have who suffer this loss. And you know, it's a kind of a silent grief because people don't know what to say. Families. I was speaking to Rita, their specialist. And she said, women tell her, you know, families don't know what to say. Their closest friends don't know what yeah. to say. Because this, 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 this is the loss of a person they have never met, never even seen. And yet this, this was a child to the people who have lost it. Mm-hmm. So it can be very difficult for people to actually offer support. And this is a service which offers, um, which offers a chance for people to talk about their baby, to talk about the loss, to talk about the future that has been snatched from them and their child as a family. And it's a very safe space where they can do that. And she points out, you know, some people are very, very resilient and they just, you know, they go ahead and they, they get, get past it. But a lot of other people don't. Men especially get short shrift in yeah. this regard because all the focus is on the woman, on her health, on her treatment, on what went wrong, if they can find out what went wrong, which is very rarely. Um, and all the sort of support and sympathy is going in her direction. And very often men feel left out here. They feel that they, they're the ones who have to be strong and look after their partners, where in fact they're grieving too. Yeah. It was their baby as well. Yeah. So this is this is a very it's a very useful service, um, and doesn't extend to people who've just lost babies. You know, if if somebody lost a child twenty thirty years ago, they're still welcome to come and talk about it. And if you think about it, in our mother's generation, even in my generation, if you lost a baby, you were told, "Oh, you're young, you can have more," or "You already have babies, yeah. isn't that great?" And there was very little sort of um, sympathy. sympathy or space yeah. for for your loss, for your grief. But uh, anybody who wants to attend these clinics is welcome to do so at the maternity. Obviously, they're free. And there's an information evening about that. Let me just check so I don't give you the wrong information now. On Monday, September 9th, from 7 to 8.30 p.m. at the Green Hills Hotel on the Ennis Road. And this is specifically aimed at women who have experienced pregnancy loss before 12 weeks. Next month, October, is the month of um, dedicated to pregnancy loss generally. And there will be more initiatives like this from the HSE and the maternity and they're doing a great job in that field. And, and I know you mentioned uh, people don't know what to say to someone but uh, it's not really a stigma it's just more of a... There's there's no social courtesy around yeah. it there's no rituals around this but, you but know. But it's good to see yeah. things like this that will bring light to the fact of course, that it, needs, it is okay yeah. for people to talk about it we need, we need, we need to have the conversation yeah. basically and this is what Rita the specialist nurse t- said to me that um, you know the only, the only thing you can do for somebody who's in that situation is let them know you're there to talk if they want to reach out. Yeah. Let them know it's okay to be sad. You know, but don't don't not talk about the elephant in the room. Exactly. Um, you know, if, if, you're, if your dad dies or somebody close to you dies, if you lose a parent, a child, close relatives, there's a clear map for, for, for what people can do. They go to a removal, they go to a funeral. With early pregnancy loss, sometimes there isn't even that. Yeah. And, you know, the... They can't. It's, they just don't know when to shake your hand and say I'm sorry. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, so yeah, that's. I, I think it's an amazing service, and um, yeah, long may it continue. Yeah. So those stories are available in this week's Limerick Post newspaper and online at limerickpost.e. Bernie, thank you very much. You're for very welcome, Keen. Have a good day. I'm now joined in studio by host of the Limerick Post show, Megan Scully. Megan, how are you today? I'm very good. How are you? I'm not too bad. The weather's a bit all over the place this week, though. You know. It's 
Yes, nice start in the morning though. It was nice and fresh and bright yeah. and I slept well. Did I sleep well? I did. I slept well and I went to the gym early in the morning. So and I'm did grateful. you have nice dreams when you slept well? Actually, no. I had <laughs> one really peculiar dream that's kind of bugging me, but I think I'm going to find a dream specialist. So if there's yeah. one in Limerick, do let me know. It was uh, kind of messed up, actually. Now, and speaking of dreams, we have the Dreams Festival coming up this weekend. Yes, a dream that we want to have and a good <laughs> dream. Uh, dreams Festival is taking place in Brough and it's in memory of Dolores O'Riordan of the Cranberries. And um, I spoke to Julianne, who's coordinator of the festival in um, Clancy's. Clancy's Bar, yeah, in Brough, which I'd never been in before. I think we were blown away bar. by how nice Clancy's is when we walked in. Yeah, like you just, I don't know, it, it, it was, like it was nicer than nicer, the kind of way it was, yeah. um, just, it was fab. So um, there's loads of things taking place Friday, Saturday and Sunday um, from the little kind of garden that they're going to rename. And there's also uh, events happening at various pubs, there's street parties as well. And there's loads of local musicians involved and Dolores' family members who are musicians are, are performing as well. So uh, I think it's just going to be a really great festival. It's the inaugural year of it. And I just say... It's, it's think, to mark her birthday. Yeah, as, yeah, yeah, it is as well. So I think it's just going to grow and grow and grow. And um, as we have learned from her... Um, sad passing was that fans from all over the world came to Limerick to be part of that so I think you're going to start seeing a lot of people coming into Limerick um, in September every year um, after this because uh, I think it's it's hugely important and hugely special and as of course her family are massively involved as well which you know it's super that they're behind it I think it's brilliant to see a festival where there's going to be music on the streets and then it goes inside after hours yeah. yeah and I think that'll give a good vibe to the place as well I think a lot of people will come around Brough and it's nice to be able to just walk around a town and as you said just listen to music instead of having to go inside the pubs during the day so yeah I think the, the party atmosphere is going to be amazing God help anyone trying to drive through Brough um, during the weekend not knowing <laughs> what's going on but if you do drive through and you see music and stuff pull up the car get on out and uh, soak up some of the atmosphere exactly and uh, another story this week it's not as positive but it kind of is because it's people coming together it's to support Leon in Leon's lifeline Yes, Leon O'Connor is in his early 20s and he's got MS and uh, he needs this life-saving treatment. Um, the, there is treatment available in other countries, but Russia seems to be the best place for Leon. And his mother, Valerie O'Connor, was in the Strand yesterday for the launch of the event and we chatted to her about it. And uh, I guess what she was saying about it all was, you know, it's obviously a very tough time for them as a family, but the outpour and the, the, the love and the support from people of Limerick and beyond has been overwhelming and they need to raise €70,000. He's going in November so there's not much time to get that money they're currently at 30,000 in the short space of time so they really really need your help and um, they need companies to get involved as well to sponsor and um, there's also a load of events taking place there'll be table quizzes there'll be a cooking demo with Rachel Allen in the Strand and that's happening the 25th of September they'll need spot prizes they just need so much to raise that money um, because obviously it's vital for him and uh, when he gets the stem cell hopefully it'll it can like there is people who've actually gotten this treatment and been cured of MS so they're just hoping that they can give him a life because he's only in his early 20s and to think that um He's got MS and it's so it's it is actually so bad at the moment and he wasn't even there yesterday himself because he's actually in hospital. That's how sick he is. So I hope that uh, they can raise that money and more and get Lee on the treatment he needs and hopefully we'll uh, be able to get him on the show then maybe in the new year and uh, chat to him and hopefully he'll um, he'll he, it'll just be an absolute success for him. And that video and interview with Valerie is up online at the Rick Post at you know, and there's also a link to the where they can donate. Yes, we've shared the link there as well because uh, we're just asking you if you can even a fiver, like uh, like if you could just spare a fiver, um, every little bit will make such a difference. And uh, hopefully we can, uh, as I said, get Leon the help he needs. So yeah, limmerpost.ie forward slash show, and of course Limmerpost across all social media. And uh, as I said, that link and interview with his mother will be there.
And we have a busy weekend coming up this week, Megan. Yes, we most certainly do. We um, actually have back-to-back events, uh, Cannonball being one of them out in the Radisson, um, Fidget Feet are having a bit of a launch party as well, and also Liverpool Legends. And I know you're a big soccer fan. I won't say Liverpool <laughs> fan, um, Spurs fan, um, but uh, the trophy is here in Limerick. It was in Ashling and Cotty last night. <laughs> You don't look bitter we, at all. We just end this here, really. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to edit this piece out. Um, and yeah, it's, it's exciting because like there's like some big names around town, like Jason McIntyre, which I'm dying to meet because uh, yeah, I remember. Be a cool one. Yeah, that was. I remember him in the Ireland days, like and you know going to meet him and support him. And I remember being really young and not really understanding how he had like an English accent, but obviously now I understand. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I just think it's going to be kind of one of those nostalgic moments for a lot of people. Um, I believe it's sold out. Um, so it's going to be good fun out there and uh, I was told as well that um, parking isn't really a thing out that area so look if you're heading out try to get out there early or plan ahead and maybe carpool with a few people because you know you don't want to be stuck in traffic and miss the football there a bus service going out there I think there is one of the trio somethings going out there one of those buses yeah one, one of the, one of the trios yeah, one of maybe yeah I don't know about relying on a bus now but look we'll figure out something we'll get out there ourselves and just said we'll have loads of footage all across social media all weekend and then all next week there'll be loads of videos brilliant Megan enjoy your weekend I will sure I'll be seeing you all weekend (laughs) best of luck thanks I'm now joined in studio by sporting Limerick journalist John Keogh John how are you this week all good now Keogh and yourself Ah, not too bad. I had a lovely weekend up to the football. Up the yeah. But uh, we look at the Senior Hurling Championship first, I think. Yeah. Um, the final round robin game. Games over the weekend in groups one and two of the Senior Hurling Championship. The Pearsig uh, booked their place alongside Patrick's well in the semi-finals automatically while Kilmallock and Dune reached the quarter-finals. Um, Kilmallock beat South Liberties by four points and Dune were playing the Pearsig. Uh, we're well beaten, 12 points, and a very impressive Napiercic performance without four of the regular starters as well. Um, you know, they just they just blitzed doing really. They were just too strong the whole way through. Um, Patrick's well in there, drew their game 124 apiece. So basically, as I said, they're the four teams from Group 1 that are true to the knockout stage. Group 2, Ahan ended up winning it. So Ahan get promoted next year. They a a very tight win over Maru Boher, Dan Morrissey for the second game running, scoring a late goal. But it's huge implications for a hand. They're now promoted to the, to the Group 1 for next year, so they'll be at the very top level. They also book a quarter-final spot with that. Um, they'll be joined by Belly Brown. Belly Brown beat Monoline in the other big, big game in the in the Group 2. Um, Belly Brown were hoping that Maru Boher could do him a favour if Belly Brown, if Maru Boher had drawn or won that game uh, and wouldn't have been promoted and Belly Brown would have been up and Monoline who lost to Belly Brown if they'd won against Belly Brown they would have been promoted as well so so Belly Brown will be playing Dune in the quarterfinal and Han playing Kilmallock and that they're on and, and how do we think these group two teams will face up against the group two? yeah we were we were wondering last year it was there was a huge gulf between um Kilmallock and Maru Boher, Kilmallock had a very comfortable and Patrick's well beat South Liberties and just mu- must mention about South Liberties they were the team relegated so they've gone back to Group 2 after a year in Group 1 lost every game very very it's tough year for them huge step up general consensus is though that Bally Brown have a decent chance against Dune and the hand will fancy themselves against Kilmallock so we may have now it could be completely wrong and this yeah. <laughs> the, the, the results will tell but I think there, there, there won't be as big as a gap as there was last year um on their day, Valley Brown are capable of beating pretty much every team in the competition. We're very disappointed that they didn't come out of Group 2 this year. Yeah. Um, and the same, they've done very well to, to top the group. 
you know, the two Morrissey's in particular being the the star shows the Limerick players thing. But Niall Moran is also still very influential, very experienced intercounty player with Limerick. You know, on their day, either team can pull off a shock. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, the other game then in Group Two was kind of a relegation playoff between Garsplan and Knockaney. Garsplan had a comfortable enough eighteen points to one eight victory that keeps them in Group Two. But sadly for Knockaney, they're relegated to. Premier Intermediate status for next season. And then a few weeks back, we had a big injury with Aaron Galan. And last weekend, there was another big name injury. <clears throat> yeah, Shane Dowling. He picked up the injury, I think, in the Adair game the previous round. Played no part in, in the victory over Dune. Wasn't even tagged. And subsequently, during the game, we found out and was confirmed after the game that suffered a knee injury, which is expected, I think, four to six months that'll keep him out. So that's, unless he appears to go beyond Munster uh, that's Shane Dowling season over big blow big blow to Nabirshig really yeah. okay they, later on the, the, they may still be okay Limerick wise but outside of that and that's where they're aiming that's you know they, they, they're not that they're taking any game lightly in the Limerick Senior Hurling Championship it's just they've lost your ambitions and Shane Dowling's very very key to that as we know and we see, see the impact he has playing with Limerick and just a big blow for Nabirshig yeah and then uh, over to the football. Yeah, excuse me. <coughs> and then over to the football. Yeah, we've quarterfinals this weekend in the Limerick Senior Football Championship. Um, Newcastle West, who were one of the favourites to to try and dethrone it there. Um, they're playing Ballystine. They lost their last game in the in the group stages to Ula. Ula subsequently made the semi-finals. So Newcastle West, Ballystein could be tight enough. Newcastle West will be fairly smarting from that loss to Ula and will be hopeful that hit a bit of form again. They'll play there in the semi-final if they get, get over that Ballystein challenge. Then the other one is Father Casey's and St. Kieran's. Casey's have had a very good season, four wins out of five. Lost to Adair and I'm beating Adair team now in last since, I think, the middle of 2017 in the group game. Phenomenal record from them. Yeah. Um, St. Cairns may be a more even game but Casey's will fancy themselves have had a very good year so far as I said only losing to Adair Cairns have been hit and miss so two good games to, to two good games to go and see if, if you're and especially in the football because as this winter weather starts to creep in anything it's there it's not creeping in it's there it, it is there it's been there a while <laughs> I think yeah. uh, and then we'll just look at the Camogie, uh, John, it, well, we won't just look at it. It's a massive game coming up. Yeah, Junior Camogie, the Premier Junior Camogie All Ireland final, Limerick facing Kerry. Um, you know, it's an All Ireland final. It's been a very positive year for Camogie, as we've mentioned several times in the podcast. Um, up against the Kerry team they've played earlier this year, if you remember back, to, there was a, a water scandal over the Camogie yep. game. It was Limerick, <laughs> Limerick senior team playing Wexford, but before that, the precursor to that was Limerick versus Kerry in the junior championship and Kerry came out on top that day Limerick drew against Waterford then, but have been very very good since and as the season's gone on they've had they've, their, their squad has strengthened because the minor team the minor championship was running at the same time as the junior championship and so a lot of the junior players that are on the panel now were were caught up in the minor championship so they've added to the panel as it's gone on as the minor team lost their all learned final they've they've came back into the junior setup so you know a very very good win over Roscommon a very strong Roscommon team in the semi-final there wasn't much between the sides when they met in Croke earlier in the year Limerick and Kerry so hopeful of a positive outcome to that but it should be a good game all the same part of a triple header on RT and Limerick game is on at 12 that's the junior intermediate 
then you've at I think it's two and then at four fifteen you have Kilkenny and Galway in the senior final it's a good day of sport really, exactly yeah. Yeah. and Absolutely. then uh, over to the rugby we have the World Cup coming up John World Cup coming up 12 Munster players named in Joe Schmidt's squad on Monday he squad of squad of 31 uh, 14 Leinster 12 Munster and the rest between Connacht and Munster not much There's some going isn't it yeah it, it, it's, it's very positive from a Munster point of view obviously the big talking point is John Klein's inclusion um, many people are looking at it very, very black and white that John Klein was in for Devon Toner and that's the end of it and we won't hear any more. That's, <laughs> that's the way it is. That's not the case. Um, I think the second, and I've talking to a good few people about this this week, and I think this, the second John Klein was named in Ireland's squad, the, 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 the extended squad um, earlier in the summer John Klein was going to the World Cup unless something major happened now, it could still happen injuries and whatever else yeah. but I think John Klein was was always going to be picked I'm not privy to to know if Josh Schmidt had been talking to John Klein on and off for a while about his plans but I, I think I think it is that and I think it was Devin Toner versus Ty Byrne and Reese Ruddock and what combinations World Cup squads are all about versatility in a lot of ways okay you're going to have bringing a group of players together who don't usually play together they're usually playing against each other yeah that's it but 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 versatility is key because it's not like a six nations squad where a fella gets injured and it's okay we'll just bring in this guy straight away he knows this this and this you're away in japan you're away okay it's it's a couple of days but then couple of days are crucial yeah when you're calling up a replacement so tigburn's versatility He's played in the back row several times. He played for the back in the back row for Ireland against Wales on last Saturday. Thought he had a quite enough game, but I think his, his the options he brings of playing covering second row and back row more than what Devon Toner brings. And I think that and adding Reese Ruddock to the squad as well, very much a leader within the Irish squad. I think that was more a key. Them two players over Devon Toner because Devon Toner gives you line out second row. And then uh, we had Wales on the weekend. Yeah, it's hard to it's, it's hard, hard to, to know a friendly games. Yeah, and that's what they are. The runouts. They're yeah. not Ireland playing Wales. Now you could, you may have a better indication this Saturday when they play again at the Aviva Stadium. You 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 have you both coaches have pretty much admitted they're they're going to pick strong teams. Johnny Sexton will start for Ireland. Um, Josh Schmidt, hopeful Keith Earls will start as well. He's pretty much said he will yeah, unless something else happens. Joey Carberry could make the bench. So you're already talking about Sex and Nerds have played no part so far in the in Ireland's three games to date in, in the in the World Cup warm ups. Um you know looking is that, back is at that a fitness issue or is it just a it did, there's been injury issues, yeah. yeah. It's a slow, slow burners with both players. Yeah. Um But it's know, good both, to see them back for this game. It's massively vital because you, you don't want to be going into Scotland first game of the World Cup without and, and Johnny Sexton's obviously become more key with Joey Carberry's injury. But Keith Earls has been a phenomenal yeah. player in the last two years for Ireland. Individually and... Individually and collectively, yeah. yeah, for the team. And he, he really is one of Joe Schmidt's first picks on the team, you know. So so, so they're vital. But, go, but going back to, to last Saturday, I don't think anyone played themselves off to play into Japan. But I think a few players played themselves on. Just copper fastened things. Yeah. And Joe Schmidt said 20 players picked themselves and it was kind of a... Horses for courses from there, but he likes of Andrew Conway had a phenomenal outing. But Dave Kilcoyne, while he was on the field, was just he gave a rip roaring performance for he was near fifty minutes while he was on. Just really, any doubt that 
between him and Jack McGrath. Jack McGrath is a very experienced international British and Irish line. Dave Kilkine's form in the last 18 months has been superb. So big game for him, big game for for Conway, as I said, from a monster point of view talking. So look, 12 players, Peter O'Mahony playing at seven could be key looking forward as well. And then uh, I know we'll be talking about the World Cup a lot over the next few weeks, Absolutely. but uh, would you be positive going into it now? Yeah, I, th- I think the balance of the squad, look, there, there's a lot of noise surrounding the Devon Toner thing. I think Devon Toner's been out injured for a long time, missed a lot of the season, probably is on the downward spiral of his career, but it, it depends what you're looking for. If if you're relying on Devon Toner to start your line out, out in my eyes, anyway, you're in trouble. You know, if he's six foot eleven, he's the easy target, but do other players offer more things around the pitch? Yes. I think it's a very balanced squad. Maybe maybe it's scrum half. I think if Conor Murray gets hurt, we're in a bit of trouble. Luke McGrath's a fine player. Kier, he, he got the nod over Kieran Marmion. Did you need to take three out halves? Okay, if, 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 if Joey Carberry isn't going to make it, you know, you make the call and, make, and bring two. I, I think you could have brought another scrum half. Kieran Marmion may be feeling probably one of the most unlucky players in the whole thing. I think outside of the, the out half and I look, Johnny Sexton and Conor Murray are starters there. That's the end of the story. Something happens to either one of them. Carberry, fine if he's fit. Who comes in for Conor Murray? It's still a big debate for me. Overall, though, as I'm saying, look, Ireland need to get to a semi-final here. If they beat Scotland first up, they should be beating the rest of the teams in the group fairly easily, you know, and setting up a, a quarter-final against South Africa or New Zealand. Then you're into bonus territory. Look, Ireland have never gone beyond the quarter-final in a World Cup. You can't hide around that fact. The goal is to make a semi-final. It's not going to be easy. You know, if South Africa, if they, if everything goes to plan, it's South Africa or New Zealand in a quarter-final. That's not going to be an easy game. Ireland have beaten both teams recently. Neither team will hold any fear for Ireland. I think that's the difference going into this. Ireland have had supposedly easy routes in World Cups before and have come unstuck against, against Argentina. Okay, an unmerciful amount of injuries before that Argentina game it was still a poor enough Yeah, the game was over really after 15 minutes if we remember from four years ago but this is their best chance to get to the semi-final I'll put it that way and the squad that Joe Schmidt has picked kind of reflects that I think brilliant and then uh, I was up in Croker on Sunday I know you didn't get to watch the game so no. before we yep. do an in-depth analysis mm. I'll give you a chance to watch to re-watch the match over no, the that weekend won't be or something no <laughs> No, no, no. I, I saw the Sunday game. I yeah. saw lots of it. I think it was a good game for football. It was a good game for football from what I gather. Yeah, just the Especially noise, the the noise at halftime. Again, we, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago about negative. Yeah. One of Power Anhan's articles about negative punditry. Kieran Whelan and Joe Brawley in their defence of Johnny Cooper. Just, I mean, there was a lot of noise about David Goff in, in, before the game too. I want to highlight that. Another fantastic performance by the best referee in the country in Gaelic football in my eyes Kerry fans may not agree Dublin fans certainly don't in my eyes the best referee in the country but well, it was a tough game for him to tough game look yeah. Dublin Kerry any, any inter-county but especially game with the build up to the yeah, game as well and, and a lot of pressure he was on but any Dublin Kerry game yeah. <laughs> forget the fact it's not her final and remember if you're watching the game in February with Kerry won the league that was a fairly difficult one to referee yeah, as well definitely. look a lot of people are saying Kerry, oh, Kerry have blown it okay they met a Dublin team that weren't at their best was that a lot down to what Kerry did I think it was I think I think Kerry deserve a huge amount of credit they missed chances but you're going to miss chances against. you're not going to score every score exactly yeah but they limited Dublin an awful lot and that that 
that to me is what Jim Gavin was furious after game. I mean, you could see it in him. He he, he just he's not he's, really one to show emotion. No, but when he does, you know he's not happy. Like he's not. He, that proves he's not a yeah. robot. Like he he just. But Dub, Dublin showed what they're about to even come back into that game. Down to well, fourteen, everything going against. I know down, they were ahead. They were a man down mm. for forty three minutes. Yeah, and yeah. in any inter county game. At a high, the highest level possible, which is the All Ireland final, that's phenomenal to say. Now they were ahead, and Kerry worked it, worked it, worked it. Eventually got the goal from Spillane, and then it looked maybe Kerry here we've a chance going into the last few minutes. Maybe the only mistake Kerry made was when did they go a point ahead with two or three minutes left of ordinary time? Didn't push on a bit more, but it's very hard to say. You're one point up, you get everyone behind the ball, and. Dublin had a couple of chances. They weren't easy chances, yeah. though. Kerry limited them to the one you know, score. I think get. as well with the extra man, they left it kind of late to push him up. They were trying to build from the back using mm. the extra man. Yeah. And I think that kind of gave Dublin the chance to get the likes of McCaffrey back to defend mm. because he has the pace. And you could see yeah. with the game he had, it was just something else. Yeah, know? well, he's a phenomenon anyway. Yeah. I mean, look, you go through that whole Dublin team, really. But the standout player for me was probably Clifford and a couple of other... I, I think Kerry Clifford Gans. Clifford Sean O'Shea Clifford especially though and he, I don't think he was at his best from what I've seen yeah, I just wouldn't be putting Cooper back you, on you, you, you know? it's very hard to deal with a player who has yeah. the potential to be a player of a generation yeah. I've said that about Conor Callan last week even the lead up to it David Clifford if you, he's just a joy to watch I saw him playing minor football saw him playing underage he has it all doesn't he has everything yeah. he can go. you put the ball in high Tim you can win it Put the ball in low to make him in. He can get away from his men. He can kick off either foot. Yeah. He is a nightmare to mark as a cornerback. And as you're, you're as good as Johnny Cooper is, and he's the pretty much around the best, you couldn't deal with him. Yeah. So you've Paul, you, you've a very potent carry forward line. I know Paul Ganey missed the penalty. We talk about Cluxon being, what, about nine metres off his line, was it? Maybe not nine meters. He was off his line, but look, that's that's. I think every that's keeper to, comes off their line. That's the, you're that, a keeper yourself. You yeah, know. I know. One hundred percent. Any advantage you can get, but look, I'm I'm I'm, I'm having yeah. I'm having a slag about that to be honest, because you take advantage of it if 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 it's not spotted, tough luck. Like, yeah. You know, but it, it, look, we'll talk about it more next week. But it, it's in it's intriguing again. You know, Stubbling Kerry battle two, battle three of the whole year. Yeah, I, 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 I don't subscribe to the fact, basically, what I'm saying, that Kerry have blown their chance. Kerry, no, will, they haven't, no. Kerry, more so than Dublin, I think, will take huge confidence from the way that came out. Okay, the, they didn't push on when they went to point ahead. It's very hard to do so, but I certainly don't see why oh, they've missed their chance. Dublin won't be as bad. Yeah, but Kerry might be better, you know. Yeah. And that, as well, did it, what was it, 11 players playing their was, first All-Ireland final too? Yeah. And when it was 15 on 15, they were still there or there. Yeah, Dublin were a few points ahead. A yeah, few, but it's not... And then, again, we take into the missed penalty into yeah. consideration too. And the two or three other goals they could have had. That's you it, know. you know, Dub Kerry will create chances and, yeah. and that's a worry for Dublin that... But Kerry have, have that ability. And the, the biggest thing for Kerry, I think, and it's over the last couple of games, even against their own... Just slowly but surely, that defence is solidifying. Like, yeah. You know, they're making it very difficult for teams to score against them. They seem to be progressing every time they play in Crow Park. I, I, you know, and that's what I'm saying about the, the 11 lads are so, I could be wrong with that number, that hadn't played an All-Ireland final. Going into that, you play your first All-Ireland final, you're up against Dublin. You're within an inches of winning the game. Okay, you Dean Rock's sideline ball at the end. But I mean, you're close. Surely you only take confidence from that. That's the way I look at it. I'm yeah. sure that's the way Kerry will be looking yeah, at it. Definitely. They have to take the positive. And then away. on the flip side, there's problems for Jim Gavin. So something you could you could go the other way. Has something's opened up for Jim Gavin's got ha 
okay now I have a stick to beat them with all along it's been easy 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 mm-hmm. now it's a chance of very intriguing final yeah John thanks very much for joining us more than welcome again I'm sure you'll be at the Liverpool Legends this weekend no I'll be out covering senior football championship oh lovely I'll tell them all you said hello do thanks <laughs> for all your sports news videos podcasts and much much more you can visit limerickpost.ie or sportinglimerick.com or following the hashtag sportlk across all social media channels John thanks very much for joining us more than welcome I'm now joined in studio by our arts editor Rose Rush Rose how are you this week I'm good Keen. I'm good I'm good plenty to look forward to and uh, still a little bit high after Gilbert O'Sullivan's concert in town last night lovely how did that go you know what? I honestly, I, I'm a fan. Where was it on? Lime Tree Theatre. Lime Tree. I had no idea it was going to be such a big deal. It was sold out. No way. Yeah, and that's tickets, brilliant. Tickets for fifty euro ahead. That's excellent for a midweek show in September. This Groover yeah. is seventy-two years old. He has been in the music business fifty years, and this was almost an acoustic set. Yeah, it wasn't Gilbert and the big band, which is how he's travelled before. He still he tours relentlessly. That's according to the stories he was telling us last night. New Zealand, Chicago, New York, Scotland. He's yeah. seen it all. He's seen it all. He's seen it all. <laughs> It was a simple set, it was himself and his electronic keyboards. And I've never seen this because back in the day, a very long time ago, I used to play piano. And everybody grows up on keyboards with 30 of your feet flat in the floor because you've either to work the harmonica pedals or the organ or your, as with the piano and even with keyboards. But what you get is better posture because your, your body's equally weighted and aligned. Yeah. Not at all. He's playing complicated chords. <laughs> and his legs are crossed and he's yeah, wagging a bit. And he's, he's so casual and yet so in the moment. This is, I was just looking at this. Uh, other comments, he doesn't look five years older than 20. He's he aged to, well. He's aged super well and very naturally so. Yeah. There was an amazing um, light show last night with him, which is good because a man at his keyboard and telling humble tales isn't sort of necessarily electric more. viewing. Yeah. yeah, accompanied by a very, very good musician, singer. Please, holy God, forgive me. I uh, didn't catch his name who sang in harmonies and all the rest. And uh, he's, a, he's an actual storyteller, which we know from his songs because they're so yeah. lyrically rich and poised. And he is a very clever dude. Uh, his second or third band was with a musician whom he introduced only as Rick Davies. And early in life, um, Gilbert had tried the guitar, but he was left-handed and his cross guitar player wouldn't cede to that. So he jumped to drums, he learned drums, and then he approached the keyboard. And Rick Davies was a huge influence on him. He, Gilbert described him as a tremendously generous musician who um, taught him how to just use the keyboard backwards and forwards, introduced him to deep blues music and was an electric performer. And then he said, and as it came to pass, Rick Davies went on to form his own band, which was Supertramp. Little known band. Little known band. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Talking about multi-platinum and a, a, a banging band. We yeah. agreed, Supertramp? Uh, yeah, Just, yeah, no, a few other tunes, yeah. Before oh. my time, though, Rose. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to say. I'll, I'll blush and <laughs> simmer at the same time, Keane. You also know it appears to me. And, uh, and he said, and he went on to become Gilbert O'Sullivan. So last night was enjoyable. Standing ovation. Um, did it rock my world? 
Truthfully, no, but I was pleased to be in the presence of genius and I'm very, very pleased. And the type of set is different to usual, so it was probably nice to see them in a, a different setting. A different setting. He's as um, he's as confident and as yeah. relaxed as ever, and he tells us this. He has only ever sung his own music. He will only ever sing his own music, and he's going on out to two nights in the National Concert Hall. No doubt he is sold out again. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. And then uh, over to your arts page, generals, we have Elaine Page in concert. Another storyteller. Yeah. Another person who loves to engage with her audience. Um, she's warm and immediate. She came a few years back. Uh, her tour was postponed because she had to deal with breast cancer and came out of it brilliantly. And although she appeared in the con- in the in university concert hall where her upcoming concert will be on Sunday, September 29, she... I don't think she even referenced it with us. Yeah. She, uh, Elaine's gig, and she calls this one the soundtrack to my life. She talks about taking a look at her favourite songwriters and lyricists, and she says, we we don't know how underrated they are. She's met almost everybody in the business. She's friends with a lot, and been talking to me from her phone in London. She, you know, gave special mention to Randy Newman, Paul Simon, Burt Bacharach. Jimmy Webb, Carol King, and she'll be doing a lot from her musical theatre as well. Uh, she's won an astonishing amount of awards and accolades in her life. She's um, an Olivia Award winning actress as well. Uh, she's been nominated several times. She's won it at least once. And even two Christmases ago, when she was cast as the baddie in Dick Whittington, she won the, um, <laughs> you know, not the Olivia Award, she won another, you know, London Stage yeah. Award for being the best baddie on stage. And she's a good age. She won't mind me saying that because she's honest and enthusiastic about everything in her life. I was at her gig a couple of years back and her modus operandi is to be there with the grand piano and a very accomplished musician. And she comes out on stage and she's warm and she's real and she's a great connector. And when you hear about stage presence, we it's, it's an abstract. So what is it? You don't know it until, as with love, until you're in its presence. And, and she just has it. Yeah, I think she's one of these performers that will uh, attract people with a lot of different interests. So you'll have the musical types as well as people who love their ballads and stuff, you know. Yeah. And she has a beautiful voice as well. She so. has an amazing yeah. voice, and but she's an interesting <clears throat> woman. Yeah. There's no bull about her, there's no vainglory in what she tells you about her life, but she's going, as she did before, she's going to place these songs in context. And she's not too verbal, but it just enriches the evening and a, a warm recommendation. And she has the most... Incredible vocal chops. And so just go and, you know, be in the presence of Elaine Page on September 29. Well worth it. And then uh, the second story on your arts page is uh, Sarah Ellen Murphy. Yeah, far yeah. closer to home. Sarah Ellen Murphy grew up around the corner to me. <laughs> yeah, she did. We're not, we're not friends. I never knew her. I don't think I ever even had sight of the girl growing up because I'm older and I left Limerick. I was out of Limerick for a good decade. Um, but she's somebody else who's born with uh, an incredibly blessed voice and the drive and the willpower and the business new to make it in showbiz. So she's a contralto and what she told me in an interview about her voice is it's, it's the lowest register for a female singer. So she's, she just says, Camry, look, it's, it's quite a rich voice. And um, she also said, I didn't know this, contralto is the rarest voice. We're few and far between. Yeah. Yeah, no, so. I've been lucky enough to go and see her in concert in St. Mary's Cathedral 
uh, on stage in UCH and singing with Limerick Choral Union. And she's just astonishingly lovely and graceful and poised and mature. Obviously, there's no chit chat out of an <laughs> operatic or liturgical music singer. So but the two venues you've seen her in are very different because you'll have a lot of different acoustics in the cathedral, we'd say. Well, I talk to people in the Irish Chamber Orchestra about acoustics. Yeah. <laughs> Your pal, Joachim Rover, um, who also adores the acoustics in Killaloo. Yeah. And he, he reckons these high vaulted roofs in, uh, roofs, sorry, uh, they, they just alter the tone, but, but quite beautifully. Yeah. So, and as Peter Barley, who's head of the music program, which is a very, very, very busy program in St. Mary's Cathedral, more about that than um, he says their venue is in such demand by touring musicians and international musicians as well. Wow. In such demand. Yeah, yeah he's got a busy job. We're lucky with the venues we have in Limerick and I know we'd like some more, but... Keen, you're have, wondering. Maybe talk special. about Sarah Ellen, maybe? Yeah, that, okay. that's a good idea. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. And uh, such as a promise, she won a decent bursary last year from Limerick County Council, sorry, Limerick City and County Council, and she put it to good use. She has cut a record, one of the world's finest, who's also Irish, Dervla Collins, you know, prodigy pianist. So, and that was recorded in University Concert Hall, again, because of? Acoustics. Yeah. There we go. Okay. <laughs> so Sarah Ellen is bringing out her record. Um, she can say it. Catabile, I think is the pronunciation. It's, a, it's a, an Italian term and it, it translates as singing in a smooth manner. So uh, we can hear some of that smoothness on Friday, September the 27th at 1pm. It's an open invitation to her uh, record launch. Cantabile, and she will be singing uh, to to some of its tracks. Um, she look up our page reader if you if you want to know the the detail is, of is the this record. It's a free event. It's a free event, open to everybody. One o'clock, Friday, September the twenty seventh, and yes, the wonderful Dervla Collins will be there to help her on. Brilliant. That, yeah, that's very nice good. One. Nice yeah. one. Nice one. And then uh, there's some gigs coming up in Glorock mm. Theatre and Abbey Field. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we both love Emma Langford and she is, she's one witty choice piece of work when she's on stage, isn't she? Yeah. She is. Uh, Lorcan Curtin, who was so helpful to us in our Abbey Field feature. Five pages yeah. of uh, five pages and your own video and sound recordings out in Abbey Field. Lorcan was a great enabler to that day, along with Maurice O'Connell. God bless them both. And wonderful for introductions to other key people in, in the community. Um, Lorcan got in touch to tell us that Lor is, Loric is platforming um, Emma, her first concert there uh, on Thursday, September the 12th followed by another international best, and that'll be Leroy Troy, a bluegrass and Appalachian wizard, and he brings his box of tools to September 14th. If you look him up on YouTube, Leroy Troy, there's any amount of joy there for us. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. 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 So fair juice to Lorac. Yeah, fair play to them. It's run uh, by volunteers in yeah. the heart of Happy Feel. And when they we were there, it was a nice theatre as well and welcoming people, you know. Yeah, you got yeah. to cruise this night, didn't I? I was did. working here. That's true. That's yeah. true. That's so true. Uh, we have some free gigs coming up this weekend. Those yeah. are free events. Lots of free events. So no particular order. I go through them. This is yep. all opening now and current. Um, Capamore Community Centre. Uh, wonderful man. I used to know when I was a child out there, Willie O'Brien. His adult son grew up to become a teacher. He's also a painter. His exhibition, his first exhibition is called Catching the Light. It opens in Capamore Community Centre between Friday the 6th 
and Sunday the 8th open for the three days again open invitation free in and the title Catching the Light is derived from his own musical ability Michael O'Brien's and you know inspired by composition lovely Geraldine Sadler's work, I know her well through um, Limerick Arts Society, regular exhibitor, and she's got a solo show current at number one Perry Square Hotel that's ongoing until Wednesday the 11th. Walk in and view and have a cup of tea. Okay, Sexton's our next door neighbour, whom we love and adore. Sexton's Bar, who does excellent pizza. They're host uh, for this term of On The Nail Literary Gathering. So tonight, Thursday the 5th, Dominic Taylor is the reliable and very, 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 very well-organised host of On The Nail and other stories. His guests tonight are Ali Whitelock and Ali Whitlock and Edward O'Dwyer, who's also a novelist. Um, look up Arts Page. You can see it online now on our digital edition for um, with respect to what they're going to read from tonight. Uh, I'd imagine various works, not just yeah. a current publication. And also um, the lunchtime programme, the free concert programme at St. Mary's Cathedral. I referenced uh, St. Mary's as you did and Peter Burley before. Very, very likeable organiser and wonderful, wonderful chorister and musician himself. It took me a long time dealing with him to find out he can, he has the voice of angels, a dark angel. Yeah. And... Uh, He's host again to this lunchtime series resumes this Friday the 6th, St. Mary's Cathedral at 1.15pm. Free to all as per usual. This Friday features soprano Ji Young, sorry, Ji Young Jion, accompanied by Seho Lee on piano. Clearly Asian, very gifted. And again on Wednesday the 11th, somebody closer to home, Newcastle West has bred the most beautiful soprano. She's Eve Stafford, multiple, multiple Fela Fesh and, you know, National Cup winner. Uh, Eve's programme will be accompanied by Peter Barley himself on the cathedral organ. Brilliant. Rose, yeah. there seems to be something for everyone on in Limerick this weekend. You're good at your job, Kate. <laughs> Rose, thanks very much for joining us. And all this arts news is available in this week's Limerick Post on page 80. So I'm now joined in studio by our entertainment editor, Eric Fitzgerald, it's been a while, Eric. Hi, Keen. Yeah, how, how are you getting, getting on? on? Good, good. Did you have Pretty a nice good. weekend at the picnic. Nice weekend, just done, and uh, just feeling small, a bit back to normal now at this stage, you know. And uh, yeah, picnic again. I was my, my sixth year in a row now going to it, you know. A couple of highlights in the weekend. Changed, yeah, it's changed a lot. Yeah, it, it's big, much bigger this year. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, what was it fifty-seven odd thousand? So by the time you put all the crew on top of that, like you know, so you're well like past sixty thousand. <laughs> it is a city, exactly. It's it is. Um, you know, it, it feels like you're you're at the the, the biggest All Ireland final. It's taken all weekend to play <laughs> yeah, it out. Yeah. It's great crack. Um, <laughs> but uh, I found like it was better than last year's because even though they had more numbers, they opened it up. They opened up a new place called Freetown, which is a big rave tent, and it's this festival within the festival. And it's in the old, um, it's in one of the old campsites where the, yeah. where the, the I think it's the Oscar Wilde campsite that, that attracted the crowd itself. Like, wouldn't it? I think that held on to its own crowd. Yeah. You know? They had everyone from. DJ Seinfeld now to the two Johnnies playing there, you know. <laughs> so they had it was almost a main stage of its own, and 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 uh, I found it like better organised than ever this year. And That's I found good. getting around, and I suppose my interest was in the kind of the, the, the rock and roll side and the indie side, and um, I found it actually even easier than last year uh, to get around to see Excellent. everything, you know. So yeah, we seen a, we seen a, a fair bit of stuff. It was a, a shout out to, to Wayne Young and Power Pig anyway, the Limerick bands. They Fair actually played great sets. Uh, Power Pig really won over um, a lot of people. Uh, I think they were a bit nervous at the start when they, they were on early enough in the day. But, you know, 
with both of them, Pow Pig and Wayne Young, one thing I thought was really cool was that there was dozens of people up the front where I was hanging out that knew the words of the songs. No and I thought, that's a development. That's great to see, yeah. you know. But imagine being a band the age of, say, Pow Pig. Yes, looking and, down and, and have people this. sing back there, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's a great song called Rosalie and people sing in the chorus back to her. I mean, it's a buzz, you know, yeah. and the girl herself, she's only out to do her leaving start next year or something, <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah, they were super all together. And um, speaking of, of, of kids coming out of school, Inhaler, which features Bono's uh, son, son, was uh, they were on stage and they had played a very tight set. Uh, and the music, a bit like the 1975 kind of vibe mixed with the cure, if you can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, very good at it. Uh, definitely yeah. their own their own band. They, they don't like I wouldn't say they sound like you two, but every time he opened his mouth in between songs, it was like being transported back to 1980. <laughs> you know, he's his father's son. So you yeah, hear yeah. it in the voice and the way he kind of encouraged the crowd and the confidence. The, the apple doesn't fall far, it's as not, they say. No, nowhere, yeah. nowhere from the tree whatsoever, you know. And uh, I suppose the nice thing about Irish and, the, and Ireland and concerts in Ireland is literally two people away from me in the midst of the crowd was was uh, Mammy Ali Hewson jumping around no with way. her family, just parting out to the to the son's band, Brilliant. you know. So there's just like the lovely moments and nobody bothering her, which yeah. Is, I suppose that's part of the glory of, that's uh, it. of Picnic. Especially in Ireland as well. Yeah. Like, you know, People tend yeah. to leave each other alone a little bit. Um, I suppose, what would we talk about? Maybe the um, King Kong Company, your crowd from Watford? Yeah, they usually put on a good show. Stunning show. Yeah. It was just, they were a different class. It's a bit of everything. It's the music, it's the stage <sighs> the presence. Vibe, the lighting, yeah. the, 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 the images at the back behind the, the, the act, the, the kind of messages they were sending out in between. They even At one stage, they brought out, uh, they said they'd found uh, on a discussion on Facebook, they said uh, an 81 year old woman was saying it's my first concert and I'm going to electric picnic for the weekend camping they found her brought her on stage no and got the whole crowd to give her a big Brilliant. cheer and a welcome and, you know, and they were kind of making the point that this concert is for everyone, yeah. you know, and it the, feels like it. It's, it's the, just the King Kong Company setup kind of reminds me of Groove Armada or something. Yeah, you yeah. Know? They're, they're a big stage band. Yeah, you know, I'd seen them years ago, but now that was the first time I've seen them in a few years, and like it's. It could do the main stage, but it's more fun to see it in a tent. That's to be honest. it. Yeah. It's just the, the, yeah. I mean, we're, and we're talking about a very full tent um, again. Uh, and they're coming to Limerick, actually, uh, sometime in November as well. Uh, so they're, they're, there's a good chance for us here in Limerick to see them again. Yeah. Uh, and, more and, checking out. And yeah, and speaking of that, Laboom. Laboom are the dance duo um, out of Navin. And uh, they are actually like they've been building up a huge profile. And they put on a show as well in, in Rankin's Wood, and they were phenomenal. The sound was amazing. So it's just the two of them. He's on the he's on the vocals on the keyboards. She's on the drums, and it's like it, it, it like really gets the whole crowd going. They have this magic when they play. As um, brilliant as Electric Picnic is, and as big as it's ever been, it's excellent to see them showing some Irish acts. It's a lot great. of Irish yeah. acts. It's a kind of surprising. I, like maybe I was biased, but I felt that the Irish acts were the ones putting in the putting the shoulders to the wheel and really yeah. making an effort, you know? Probably and a bit more passion there or something. I think know, they probably playing for the parish. maybe the opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and to get true. the crowd and to get that production behind them. I mean though the Laboom were absolutely like delight I mean you are talking about maybe there could have been six thousand people in front of them there, all willing them on and they've already made an announcement that they're kind of winding down for about a year anyway yeah. after this tour. So Picnic was a big kind of farewell that Brilliant. we might not see him ever again but the, pl the plan is they're going to kind of change a bit of musical direction and all this so 
they're coming to Limerick as well actually in November so there's another plug from their, their indolence as well so to look out for that's Le Boom um, and speaking of people who don't appreciate um, picnic when they get a chance uh, you and I were talking just before we came on here about yeah. the strokes <laughs> I think it was expected though wasn't it the, the strokes yeah. we were discussing it there before when it was announced first and we said look at this could be the best gig of your life this could be life affirming or they could be just there for the money and make a complete hash of it yeah. so it's kind of half and half <laughs> band were super tight they were playing brilliant and uh, they brought out the first the first three albums were picking picking and choosing tracks from that so the, the, nothing nothing was going wrong the there Strokes greatest hits Julian Casablancas the lead singer may have been helping himself to a few whiskeys backstage he was grumpy he was cranky he was said um, I'm what was it, contractually obliged to uh, say are y'all having a good time he disappeared <laughs> off the stage he was a bit of a disaster so much so that when he came to the, the, their big hit last night everyone knows it by the time he announced that and they were going there was kind of a bit of a cheer not much yeah. you know but people were enjoying the band the band were playing super tight but he was making a green balls of it basically yeah, the, you know? with the musicians that are there they'd expect a tight performance at least you know? exactly yeah. and they're well able to do it and, and they looked like they were enjoying themselves at least anyway you know and picking <laughs> up their whatever 500 grand for, for, for turning up anyway a handy few on bob a, <laughs> on, on a Saturday night in, yeah, in Stradbally you know um, but I mean look at all, all great fun I mean the, the biggest moan of the weekend probably was everybody that kept saying hello Dublin if they <laughs> Irish bands um, Christine the Queens from France uh, fabulous show had uh, choreography around her brilliant dancers and she played she played a great set to uh, the smallest crowd in the, I saw in front of the big stage all weekend no way and she'd be one of the ones that I would have loved to see out of she, the whole she was on the top of my list she yeah. was top of your list and I say anyone else we were talking to in here seems to be like no but for some reason didn't catch the imagination for the, with the crowds oh. and like you, saw, you know Billie Eilish like fill the place the biggest yeah. crowd I've ever seen there Charlie XCX huge crowd and um, the likes of 1975 and Jerry Cinnamon massive crowd years and years all these bands they're pulling huge crowds to the main stage but uh, I don't know she did still play an amazing set and she announced it was her last gig of her tour for the Chris album so that's it that yeah. show is being put to bed so on top of a really good show we were getting a show that they were putting an awful lot into because they were the tour is now over and put put back in the box and so many people missed it unfortunately but yeah. these things happen um, so we probably used up all our a lot of time here <laughs> talking about Picnic but uh, yeah and, and kudos to Johnny Marr at the age of 55 when the PA broke down and he wanted to keep the crowd he got up and he just did some crowd surfing lovely so the legendary Smith guitarist <laughs> crowd surfing there's great photographs of it all over Brilliant. the place you know there's uh, there was, there was a ton of highlights like, that's, only, that's only a little flavour of them excellent you know? so uh, we have used up a lot at the time but we can give a quick run through your entertainment page <laughs> so good night goodbye <laughs> you see we haven't seen you for a few weeks so there was a lot to talk it. about there's a lot to talk about well I'll, I'll fly I'll fly through what's in this week because um, this is uh, this show is coming up uh, the Miami show band story uh, and, and that's, a, that's an interesting one it's in the University Concert Hall this Saturday September 7th that is definitely this Saturday and um, I suppose the Miami show band uh, Dickie Rock was the original singer with the Miami show band they were massive they were like they were as big as the Beatles in Ireland and they would have taken songs that were being made famous by Elvis they'd re-record them bring them out on 7 inch and they were having hit records yeah. all the way through the 60s um, Dickie Rock I think left them and they kind of reformed around a fellow called Fran O'Toole a songwriter so their look and their music changed to something more akin to glam rock Elton John's kind of thing so they were still incredibly popular playing five six nights a week 
up and down the country they would have been huge in Northern Ireland they'd have been huge in the south and they were freely like most most bands back in the day they were freely able to uh, travel up north back down and uh, play shows to all sorts all, all colours and creeds and counties you know uh, and obviously the, the, the story that overshadows this th- is obviously 1975 they were uh, they were uh, stopped at a bogus uh, checkpoint and three of them were shot and two of them injured you know so it was one of the biggest tragedies of uh, the troubles so this musical is a celebration and I was talking to Niall McNamee and he plays the part of Fran O'Toole so this this um, this musical is is written by um, Marie Jones and Martin Lynch uh, they were a team that brought another musical to Limerick about four years ago Dancing Shoes the George Best story so they're kind of they're uh, they're 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 good at telling a story about maybe something that a lot of people took got a lot of joy from yeah. that maybe had a sad ending so it's there's this parallels here so it's a it's a tribute to the band they're playing all their hits the simple Simon says clap your hands and it's it's a tribute to the energy they could create on stage and that's and it, like the show itself next Saturday they're not going to be dwelling on what happened in 75 they're really going to be celebrating what happened all the way through the 60s yeah. early 70s and um, it's it's got rave reviews in Belfast when it opened so um, yeah I, I think if, if people particularly people who remember the 60s uh, and, and, and enjoyed going out to ballrooms and the fun that was there before discos took over in the, the 70s whole, the whole show bands the whole show band era yeah. these were yeah. these were the these were the top dogs basically and that's what it's celebrating and it's a tight band that, and I think there's a drama built into it but it's a lot of songs and as, as Niall himself said um, he said the audience are even the best actor because they get stuck in because Brilliant. it's basically I suppose that they tell a certain amount of the story and they get on with the music so it's an unusual one and it's only running for one night as I say and it's uh, September the 7th and uh, yeah worth a look worth at the UCH yep. yeah, especially with the, the history behind it and all so that then, uh, another festival not not a lecture picnic but maybe something just as bit, important a little, more, yeah. a little bit closer to home yeah and so we're uh, up to Brough for the out to Brough for this Dolores Fest you know now yeah. I was saying this is the type of festival that I'd love to see in the city centre right it just sounds brilliant doesn't it yeah it's yeah. a great idea music um, on the streets music in the bars everything yeah, yeah. and you know they've, they've, they've um they kind of came late to the party with even announcing it. They only announced it about a month ago and yeah. stuff. And um, but what they've done is they've really kind of um, they've they've measured. I suppose they've cut their cloth because they've kind of measured it to only really concentrate on Limerick acts that would uh, an original Limerick acts and uh, and maybe one or two outside of that. So there's like no huge big names here. Yeah. But it's basically Dolores's hometown and they're celebrating creativity in Limerick. They'll take over the town of Brough. I mean, I've seen kind of village festivals like this yeah. in Clifton, you know, and places like that where, where there's a, a theme to this particular festival. But when you do go, it's the, the entire village is, feels like it's taken over by it. Now, I, know, I get the point. It'd be great to see it in Limerick. But, but you might find if you go to Brough to do this festival, you might say, do you know what? I just had a great weekend there because... It's, it's like a, it's like electric picnic everywhere you turn there's yeah, something yeah. going on yeah. and it it feels kind of local and confined and you'll be able to talk to every one of the acts that are there and yeah. you know so um, it's brilliant that it's in Bruff as well it's going to put it on the map I think absolutely you know? yeah and I mean there are folks coming from um, Italy and there's folks coming from France the uh, Cranberries fan clubs are making their way they're probably actually they could already be here now to be honest <laughs> uh, but um, the, yeah they're they're um, they were they actually <laughs> the Italian um, fan club got wind of this festival 
before the Limerick Post did. Because <laughs> they rang me, they, they got in touch with me and said, do you know anything about this? And I said, give me, give me a few hours. And then I followed up and I said, oh my God, they are planning yeah, to announce yeah. something in about four or five weeks time. So they, they were on it like straight away. Wow. So they're, they're all turning up. So there's going to be a lovely international crowd there. And who are they going to see? They're going to see Niall Quinn, uh, who was the drummer with um, the Cranberry Sauce, the original band. So there's a link there. And uh, that, his band is called Team Tune Boy. So they'll be rocking out. Uh, Proto Baby, great band, Flag Listeners, you know, they're, they're great old pals and they, um, they're kind of from that era as well, even though the, like this, the Flag Listeners is a new name on, for them, but they are also a great original band. So, um, Foxjaw playing there Fox as well. Foxjaw doing it, yeah. Parliament Square. Misery. Misery. They all do great live yeah. sets, actually. And uh, Cruiser. And, and Dolores' um, nephew is playing in a band on the Sunday. Is he? Yeah, New Age what? Messiah. They're kind of a trash metal band. Excellent. And yeah. they're involved as well. They're in, on, the on the Sunday. The yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think there's going to be a lovely atmosphere. It's kind of set itself up to be kind yeah. of um, pretty casual. And I'd say there'll be just a nice... Um, easy going at- atmosphere some venues out there are lovely as well when it does move from the streets inside yeah. you know, the it's a nice Clancy's town bar. it is lovely it's a lovely sp- yeah. it's lovely to take a spin out there it's got a bit of magic about it so yeah well worth um, well well worth a look if, the, if you're driving out that direction Brilliant. hang out there for an hour or two or stay the day or stay the night or whatever you want to do so yeah that's rough and that's um, starting tomorrow the 6th until yeah. the 8th loads of stuff out there just so ramble around out and have a look yeah. we'll have, we'll so uh, I think we leave it there Eric we've, we've run over time, time a little bit I'm sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all <laughs> entertainment still is available in this week's Limerick Post and online at limerickpost.ie Eric thanks very much for joining us and welcome back thank you thank you Keen. see you next week so that's it for this week's Limerick Post News Roundup. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt. I'd like to thank Head of News, Jerry Collison, our journalist, Bernie English, Megan Scully from the Limerick Post Show, John Keogh from Sporting Limerick, Arts Editor Rose Rush, and welcome back to Eric Fitzgerald, our Entertainments Editor. For all news, sports, art, entertainment, and much, much more, you can follow hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted across all social media channels or on limerickpost.ie. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt, and we really are keeping Limerick posted.